0: say that 20% is the root and 80% is the fruit. Okay. So you see, um, and what I mean by that is that there's issues, critical issues in our life that when we deal with them, they automatically affect a lot. Okay. And a lot of people spend their whole life, you know, trying to fix the fruit and there's a lot of it and it grows back, but they never address the root. Okay, So they are only concerned with the 80% of behaviors and attitudes that they see and experience and feel. And they never get to the root, which is the smaller percentage of things, is the critical factors that affect that fruit, that give birth to that fruit. Are you with me so far? Okay, And so today we're going to talk about one of those. And actually we are a church that talks a lot about these critical factors because we're more interested in the root than in the fruit. Why? Because if we can um, deal with the roots, the fruit will effortlessly come out the way it's supposed to be, right? And so we we really are a church that pursues heart transformation, the roots, instead of behavior modification, just look good. That's why it doesn't matter if you drive crazy and you have a decal of your church. So uh, it represents who we are, you know. It's like we're dealing with the real stuff. You know, my driving will change later, but my heart is better than last week. (laughs) So, um, Proverbs 4.23 says that it's out of the heart that flow all the issues of life, right? Out of the heart, out of just that one area, everything else flows. Like we experience in life, you know, it's the, the small 20% stuff in our heart affects our whole body. The other 80% affects our life, affects everything else. And so we want to always be dealing with our heart, not just with the fruits, Okay. Um, and so today we're going to talk about the one thing that will help us stop suffering. All right. And that thing is called judgment, judgment. And maybe you'll learn a new definition of judgment or a deeper definition of what judgment is, but we judge everything in light of past pain. Okay. Uh, we equal the past to the future. Okay. Because when we're, uh, when we're healed from past pain, There will be no more fear of future pain. See, the reason why we're scared of possible future pain is because of past pain. Because we judge everything in light of what happened before. And so we have this set of lenses that says, because that happened and that hurt me, then that means that that will also happen. And we superimpose our past on our future. we're We're never able to create a new future. You with me? Yeah. Um, Jesus said that his his yoke was easy, his burden was light. And sometimes we live our lives with just this heaviness, and it's because we're carrying the past. We haven't yet healed the past, let go of it, you know, and caught a new set of lenses uh, to be able to see our future and to know what to expect. And we're just continually expecting, you know, the past to happen again. And so. We don't want to see everything in past pain light, but we want to see it in the light of the word and in the light of the promises of God. What does God say? Because my past shouldn't determine my future. I was purchased by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, his blood should determine my future. His promises should determine my future, not what I did yesterday. But because we continue to see everything in the light of yesterday, we continue to also sow seeds that we were sowing yesterday, and and meditate on the same thoughts that we were meditating yesterday, right? Most of those thoughts, as we know, are negative. And so we end up producing the same thing in the future. And so a lot of this has to do with a judgment. What is judgment? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, okay? And we're going to read out of uh, verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to keep coming back to that one and a few other verses, uh, and we'll see how far we get. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Verse 2 says, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard or the measure uh, you use in judging is the measure by which you will be judged also. Interesting, this is uh, a critical factor, okay? People will give me more of what I gave them. So it's telling me. That to the measure that I judge is to the measure that I also will be judged. And then the same measure that I use is the same measure that will be used with me, right? Now, we know the principle of sowing and reaping. We know that when we sow a seed, we don't reap a seed, but we reap a whole tree with a lot of apples that each contain a lot of seeds, right? So we always reap more than we have sown. That's just... A principle that God established from the very beginning. And that works for our good or for our bad. Right? That's it's like we like it when it produces good things, but we don't like it when it produces bad things. And so we need to be careful what we're sowing. And one of the critical factors and the things that we sow a lot is judgment. You know, we might not consider ourselves a judgy person, but you're going to learn that. You know, there's, there's a little bit more to that, okay? Uh, the quality of our emotional life is found in the quality of our relationships, okay? And, and judgment has a lot to do with these relationships. How, you know, if you think about it, the quality of your emotional life is directly linked to the quality of your relationships around you. You know, if you are uh, at odds with your spouse, your emotional life isn't great. Let's laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. Right? If you're at odds with your close friends, your emotions aren't great. Ha, ha, ha. Right? The quality of our relationships determines the quality of our emotional life. And so our judgment is one of the biggest influencers in our relationships more than anything. So what is our judgment? What is, what is judgment? What is to judge? Okay? And so I'm going to give you um, a different definition. But observation is not judgment. Okay? Observation is not to be judgy. Okay? Anybody can see, anybody can tell that that guy is high as a kite. Okay? Anybody can tell that that guy is so drunk he can't even walk straight. That is observation, that is not judgment. You with me? And so we can observe people's behaviors, we can observe facts, and it doesn't make a judgment. But it is, this is when it turns into judgment. When we assume why they did what they did. When we assume the why, the motivation, or the reason of their heart for doing that, We have pronounced a judgment. When I decide why in your heart you did that, that's a judgment. I can observe what you did. Maybe you were late to our meeting. That's a fact. But if I decide the motivation, if I decide the why, that's a judgment. And let me tell you something, only God knows the hearts. Sometimes even the very people that did it don't know the reason. You know, the heart is tricky sometimes. Sometimes we people don't know, which is why, you know, we do inner healing, which is why we're always working our heart, because sometimes we don't know why we keep doing the very thing that we don't want to do. And so it's when I decide, when I assume why you did what you did, that I pronounce the judgment. Only God knows, okay, Um, here's what happens when we assume to know the why of someone did something the reactions are not based on truth they're based on a judgment which will cause confusion will cause pain and will cause loss that's why I say that the why continues to keep us in suffering the why will keep us in pain Because I will keep meditating. Well, why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, it's probably because they don't like me. It's probably because they hate me. It's probably because I'm not enough. It's probably because, right? So I'm assuming the why, and that judgment is causing me to remain in suffering. So um, when we try to assume the why, we're giving, we give it something that we've talked about that is very, very important. We give it a meaning, okay? We give it significance. And it's this significance, okay, depending on the significance that we give it that will cause us pain and will lead us to react inappropriately and start a cycle of toxicity. Because think about it. Uh, okay, so just a quick example, you know, um, let's just say that my kid is crossing the street, and there's a car coming, and I go, stop, okay, just out of emergency, there's a car coming, right, and they assume that I'm angry at them, right, that, that, that's a judgment, right, a wrong judgment, they apply significance, right, that is angry at me, and they don't understand that it was just, you know, the motivation was completely different, the motivation was protection, I was trying to help, it was an emergency thing. I'm not angry at you. Okay? So what significance we attach to things will determine the amount of pain that we suffer and how long and how deep that can go. You know, and so we we all have... Um, Wounds from the past. We've all been hurt in the past, things from childhood, things that we know, things that we don't remember, okay? And these things have had an effect on us. You know, I remember talking to uh, two siblings, you know, one time, and these siblings, one was really, really hurt with dad. The other one wasn't. And then it came out that it was because they, you know, something that dad yelled once in the house, and, and what happened is this. The, the one kid was very affected by it, still hurt in his adult life. The other one barely remembers the event. Why? Because they both were there. They both heard the same thing, but one of them attached and assigned a meaning and a significance that was very personal and very deep and carried it on for years, okay? Saying, why does dad hate me? Why does that hate me? Why does that hate me? And the other one didn't assign that meaning and therefore... It meant nothing, and it caused no pain, and it caused no issues. And so we could could be in the same room, we could hear the same thing, but because of the meaning and the significance that we give to it, we also give it power to hurt us deeply. Is this making sense to anybody? Okay. And so we say that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Okay, in other words, nothing external has the power to hurt you unless you give it meaning and significance. Unless you pronounce a judgment. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 17, verse 1 to 3. It says, then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him... If a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea and, and that he should have, uh, that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Okay, so Jesus constantly is telling us, you know, forgive, forgive how many times, 70 times, Seven. times. If we go back to verse 1, you know, here's what he's saying. He said, listen, offenses are going to come. Okay, it's impossible that offenses won't come. It's like invisible radio waves, they're just gone all the time, all the time, you know? I probably already said like 20 things that could offend a lot of people in this room. It's it's all, offenses are going to come, but it's how you receive them, is what you do is the meaning and the significance that you give that actually affects you or doesn't. Why? Because most offenses are not about you. Most offenses are not about you. They're about them. So what we're actually doing with most offenses, because they're not about us, is we're grabbing an arrow that is flying by, and we go, Ah! Ah! Everybody hurts me. Nobody likes me. What are you talking about? That wasn't even—it had nothing to do with you. (laughs) Offenses will come, but don't judge the why. Okay, many have judged God and blamed blamed him for troubles that they've been through in their lives, and because of that, they're no longer walking with God today. You know, how many times have we judged God? Something didn't happen, or something happened, and we assigned it meaning. And we say that probably means that God doesn't love me. It probably means that God likes him better than me. It probably means that, you know, God didn't give me a cool purpose. It probably means that uh, I'm, you know, I was never meant to be a child of God. It probably means that, and we assigned all these crazy, you know, God probably wanted me to be sick and poor my whole life. Like that's probably his will, right? And we assigned these meanings and these significance to things that, God has nothing to do with. And we judge God, and what that happens is that that keeps us in that same mindset, always expecting because of the pain that that has caused. Now we always expecting, you know, that that's going to continue happening in the future. Hmm. Most offenses have nothing to do with us. And those who intentionally offend us, they. They do it because of who they are. They don't do it because of who we are. I think I've told you guys this story, but it's it's just a very simple example. I, I was uh, uh, my daughter Abigail used to be part of Girl Scout, uh, and they had to sell cookies at Walmart years ago. And we were outside of Walmart, and I was the parent that had to go and stand out there and just to make sure nobody stole the cookies or ran away with them or something, you know. And so I was just back there watching, you know, and I see. Ah, some people are real nice, you know. The girls are supposed to say, ask, and kind of try to do the sales pitch, and and uh, and so most people were nice. But then there was, I mean, again, we're at Walmart, okay? So there's a lot of really rude people that started coming by, you know, and they were rude at these cute little girls, like cute little girls, like you know, they're like, hey, would you like some bookcase? Like, ah, I don't have time right now, please, like. Like they were a pest or something. Get away. I'm like, I was getting really angry. I'm like, I'm I'm the cookie enforcer. I'm going to go find these people. Like, what's wrong with them? Hey, what do you have against this little girl? Like, what's your problem, man? And the Lord told me what their problem was. And their problem had nothing to do with Girl Scouts cookies or the girls themselves. It was just them. Most offenses are not because of us. They're because of them. And I'm talking about those that directly offend you, right? Because there are people who will directly intentionally offend you. I know what you're thinking. You you live with them. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, no. Well, let me tell you, sometimes you're just in a bad mood and you're looking who to take it out on. But one of the best things that we've learned in marriage is to never take it personal. Sorry you're not having a good morning. And then if you say that, try not to say it sarcastically because then it'll make it really bad. Waving at him and he assumed the worst probably why some past pain some past experience right allowed to judge it's him you know in the garden of uh uh eden It is God only. We can. What can we do, and we're supposed to do, is observe fruit. We can observe facts, and by those facts, we, we, we can see a history, right? Hey, this person bites every time. Okay, well, maybe don't get so close anymore. Okay? But it's different than making a judgment about who they are, why they are, why they did this, you know. That comes with a lot more suffering, are you with me? Okay. So pain is inevitable. I'm sorry to tell you this. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Okay? And it depends on our judgment. Okay? It depends on us, you know, continue to ask the why, 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 you know. Has something ever happened in your family where it was really painful and, uh, you know, for some reason or another, you never talked to the person, but you just, in your mind, you just 24-7 like, Why? Why do they do this? Why do they say this about me? Why do they send that message? Why didn't they come? Why didn't they show up? Why didn't they call me? Anybody? I mean, if not, you could just leave. Huh? Go get a, go get your free coffee, you know? <laughs> but we've all done that. And it's torturing. Isn't it torturing? It's exhausting your mind. You're like, what's going on with you? Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, you're, you're somewhere else. You're making these stories. You're making this... The, the, this stuff, and it's that's judging. You're judging, and you're assuming, and you're making these stories that are only causing you continual suffering. <coughs> Bless you. Okay, so um, it's actually pretty self-centered to think it's all about us. You know, you're like, oh, you hurt me. Oh, you hurt me. Hey, that wasn't even for you. Have you ever seen this happen on social media? <laughs> Bible talks about it, you know, says, don't go grab a dog by the ears. And sometimes that's what people do. You go and grab a dog by the ears. They're getting hurt. And they're meddling in something that wasn't even directed to them. They end up getting hurt, end up suffering, end up, you know, in this drama. Oh, I cannot stand drama. <sighs> <sighs> okay. Okay. Um, when offense happens, okay, uh, reaction is a determining factor. Okay, so there's different reactions that can happen. Sometimes it's gossip. That's not a biblical option. Okay, you can say something healthy like, "Hey, when you did this, this how it made me feel. This how affected you know. That's okay to say because I'm not I'm not creating a motive. I'm not you know I'm not assuming. I'm just letting you know because we're in a relationship. Hey. You know, honey, when you left without telling me, it made me feel, whatever, not important. It made me feel, and then that person at least knows, oh, okay, and then they they have the right to adjust themselves or not, but we don't make judgments that left without telling me. They're probably hiding something, you know, what's going on? I'm not enough, important, you know? When offense happens, we have an opportunity to grow, to mature, to communicate better. Okay? When offense happens, we can also realize if we are being oversensitive, which is an indication that we need to heal something in our heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, "Um, Love is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It said, Love is not rude, unmannerly. Love does not act unbecoming. Love. God's love in us does not insist in its own rights or in its own way, for it is not self-seeking. And check this out. It's not touchy. It's not fretful. It's not resentful. It's not oversensitive. Are you with me? How many are thankful that that's in there? So it's an indication, you know, if we feel oversensitive, hey, that's okay, listen to that, don't ignore it, don't bury it under, like, it's a, it's an indication there's something in your heart that needs to be healed. And so again, we we look at the heart, okay? And so the power and of meaning, the power of significance is very important. If we go to Matthew chapter 7 verse 2, let's go back there, you know, because it says that on the measure that we judge, you know, the measure that we give, it will be given to us, you know, as you... Judge or as you treat others, the measure that you use in judging is the measure by which you will be also judged. Okay, so, um, God's not the one that's going to judge you, He's not going to give you a harvest of that. It's people they will give unto your bosom. Okay, it's people where you're going to reap that from. God's not going to be mean to you because of that, okay? He's not going to give you a harvest of judgment because of that. But it's people. You're going to reap that. But here's the other thing. Also, with the measure that you judge an event and that you give significance to something, it's the measure to which you are going to experience that pain and that suffering. Okay? An intense, like I said earlier, you know, with the uh, example of the siblings that were in the same experience with the father, and one of them was really affected into adult life, and the other one wasn't. Uh, an intense experience uh, can, be, uh, can have few destructive results, but a harmless experience can have more destructive results. Why? Because it's based on the significance that we attach to it, okay? The meaning that we give. Uh, so, in other words, a... A person who hates you in school might offend you directly and have no uh, no big effects, no intense experience in your life because you already know that they hate you, right? But your uncle or your grandma can, over the years, uh, passive-aggressively reject you, and that could... You know, even though it's not evident, even though it's not a big deal, it could have a big effect in your life later. You know what I mean? Why? Because of the meaning and the significance that we attach to that event. You with me? I mean, we, we've all heard, you know, the, the example of, the, of that pastor, right? <laughs> the pastor who didn't say hi to someone, walked right by them, didn't greet them, right? You know, in his mind, he's trying to solve the world, just came out of a meeting, going into another intense meeting, you know, and then you go, ah, he didn't say hi. I must not be important. I'm going to find myself another church. Right? Like, it's so easy to, you know, to do those things, but we do them with whatever, like, you know, with your boss, with, with. With your spouse, you, you can do it in any way, and um, but it, it'll hurt, hurt because we all have, again, different past pain, different uh, perspective, different experiences in the past, different things that we haven't healed in our heart. Okay, someone could have come from uh, from a mega church where they never even shook the pastor's hand, and they're just, you know. And and they think differently. They think, um, 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 you know, like, oh look, you know, uh, the pastor's too much in my business here. He says hi to me every week. <laughs> like, he must think that I'm doing something wrong. He must know about my issue. I better not come here anymore. And then you can have someone who comes from a very, very small church where, where they were at the pastor's house after service every week. And then they come here and, you know, it, because of the light of that past experience, now they're judging this one. They're like, huh, this pastor really does not care about his sheep. You know, I, I barely had a conversation with him and, and you know, he's never invited me to his house. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's our context and our past experience and our past pain that determines how we're judging yep. everything around us. Um, okay, I got a little bit lost here. Sorry. Judgment belongs to the judge. That's God. He's the only one. With that okay we talked about Adam and Eve um, fruit that is observable please don't glitch Matthew 716 um, and 8 uh, 16 uh, Matthew 7 16 through 18 let's read that it says so I brought so I brought him to your disciples but they wait a minute Matthew 7 16 yeah okay through 18. Okay, yeah, we need Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 16 through 18. <clears throat> All right, we'll go there in a second, okay? Um, it says, well, what it says, it says, by you, by their fruit you will know them, okay? And this is where we are able to observe people's track record, their history, but not judge them, okay? Um. Let's say that you've lent money to somebody several times, and every time they're late paying you back, okay? That's, you're observing history. You're not judging them. You can judge them, but you can just observe the history and the track record, and therefore know by wisdom that this time they're coming to ask you for money, very likely you might have a negative experience again. Are you with me? You're not judging their heart. You're not determining their evil. You're not determining, you know, that their motives are wrong. You're not determining that they have this big scheme against you. They're all of a sudden, no, you're not, right? You observe the fruit. And based on observing the fruit, you realize, you know, this might not be such a good idea. So you could talk to them and say, you know what, just based on our past experience, it leads me to believe this might have a negative outcome, and I don't want it to hurt our relationship. So here's some ideas how you can, you know, get that money, right? Now that person can get offended or they can choose to protect the relationship and follow the advice and realize, oh, okay, so my actions did have some consequences and, you know, this is some of, some of my harvest, you know, are you with me? Because we're powerful. We're not victims. And sometimes we judge in a positive way to try to justify our actions, so you could also judge, be like, you know what, uh, he really needs it, and I, I think he's in real need this time. And, uh, and and, justify yourself to actually lend them the money when you know that was not a good idea again. Amen. Does that help? Yes. And this all happens because we are assuming to know people, people's hearts and motives because of our judgments. They get us into, you know, bad places. And so we need to learn to observe fruit, And make educated decisions based on that, right? But not judge people. Because when we judge them, we can no longer keep our love on towards them. And that's really hard. We're called to continue to love people, right? So this guy decided I'm not going to lend him the money, but this way my heart can stay pure towards him and I can keep loving him. Because if I lend him the money, knowing that this could happen and it happens, is going to be really hard for me to keep loving him. Dun, dun, dun. And if you already lent him the money, kiss him goodbye and just let it be a great surprise if he pays you back. <laughs> But that was a lot of money. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Hey, it doesn't mean if you owe somebody money here, you could just be like, ah, pastor said kissing goodbye. No, no, no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know, that's, that's something that happens when we see people's like, yes, not be yes, and their no, not be no. What does that do? establishes a, a track record, right? Like this this person says yes, but it, you can't count on that. This person says no, you can't count on that. What happens? It establishes a track record, but we cannot judge their heart. How do you know if you've judged their heart? Because it's really hard to keep your love on towards them. It's really hard to keep your heart pure and loving towards them if you've judged their heart. Because when you judge somebody's heart, you have determined, like, their intention is to harm me. Their intention is evil. They're not a good person, right? And see, Jesus never, ever passed judgment on somebody's identity. Ever. He taught us how to observe the fruit and what they did. You know, he called out the Pharisees for what they did. But Jesus never spoke against somebody's identity. Um, many times we judge in order to justify talked about that um, okay so so here's something that might be hard for some of you. I have a few minutes left so um, when somebody's track record has disappointed us okay and we look at the at the fruit and we're like ah oh, man, you know. I don't want to put myself out there again. Uh, we have to use wisdom, and we do have to set some healthy boundaries. But the most graceful and merciful thing we can do is extend that person the benefit of the doubt and opportunity to establish a new track record. I know you didn't like to hear that, but God does it with us. He says His mercies are new every morning. How gracious and how merciful, you know? So, you know what? Yeah, I saw all this stuff that happened, but I'm going to give him a new, a new opportunity to build a new record. Why? Because we need to, we need to believe that people can change. Security. Security on aisle two, please. Thank you. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody pause my clock, please. We good? There's some seats over here. Is it good? Is it okay? Are we safe? safe. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. It scared me. I'm so glad that, I'm so glad that, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I wish we could go, cut! <laughs> All right, well, Matthew chapter 7. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. (laughs) How many of you got scared? (laughs) This is all planned. You know why you got scared? You have some past pain. You made a judgment that something, you know, I bet something different happened in everybody else's mind and, and heart right now <laughs> oh goodness Matthew chapter 7 verse 3 okay so anyways give people the benefit of the doubt okay not judging him allows us to establish a new track record you know people it, people can' change people can't change sometimes we write them off too quickly now am I saying to give him the same access to you? Am I saying to give him the same level of responsibility? No. You know, like if, if, if an employee, like, let's just say that this employee is always late, okay? And, well, fruit says that you're always late, so therefore we need to do something about this, right? Hey, you know, we're going to work on this, you know, and going to, you know, he was your manager. Now he can't be the manager anymore. He's always late to open, so now he's an employee, right? Well, still give him benefit. Don't label him and keep him stuck in that he's always a late guy. Why? Because we want to extend people mercy and grace like, you know what? He could change. He said he was going to work on this. So I'm going to choose to believe him and keep my love on towards him. I'm not going to judge him. So, you know, he's not my manager, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and an opportunity to establish a new track record. Okay? And then, you know, it says that the people that have most influence in your life are those that actually believe in you. We all need people that believe in us. You know, we need people that believe we can change. We need people that believe we can grow. Does that make sense? Okay. So, Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 3 and 5. If we could put it up there. Matthew 7, 3. Okay. Um, 4. Okay, there it is. Three. <laughs> and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Okay? This is uh, it's really important because... Um, Sometimes we like to be fixers. Fixers, look at me. They're like, "Come to the altar." No, I'm just kidding. Right. Fixers, okay. Uh, they get misunderstood. Instead, you know, what are we supposed to do? It's facilitate an environment in which God and people work to heal pain and solve every problem in an environment of love and acceptance. All right? So our job is not to fix people. I, I, I used to tell you guys before James uh, you know, would open up the service, I would tell people every time, like, listen, if you come here for us to fix you, you're in the wrong place. We'll mess you up. God's the only one that can fix you. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God are the only ones that can fix you. I mean, you do not want me, you know, redoing your transmission. Mm-mm. It won't work. What? Do I, what's my job then? Well, Aren't you the pastor? It's just like, yeah, listen, my job is to feed the sheep. My job is to prepare a meal and feed us, right? You're supposed to eat. You're supposed to get with God and say, Holy Spirit, You know, what do I need to do? What do I need to see? Fixers like to, you know, keep attention on everybody else. Let me disciple you. Let me mentor you. Let me tell you everything that is wrong with you. Let me coach you. Let me do this because fixers deflect because fixing is a great mechanism to not look inside. If I'm distracted with fixing everybody else, I don't ever have to look here. And we take the job of the Holy Spirit. So my job is not to fix people. Your job is not to fix people. It's to love people. It's to facilitate and point them to God, to His Word, to the Holy Spirit. Because He's the only one that can do the work from the inside. You do not want me opening up your heart and grabbing, you know, a little knife there. And what do you call that? scalpel. See, I don't even know the name of the instrument. <laughs> you don't want me doing that. Only God. And even spiritually, we're talking about this spiritually, like... Like, Holy Spirit is the only one who knows exactly where to go, exactly what this message is going to speak to everybody differently, right? And you're supposed to allow that to go into your heart and be like, all right, you know, here's what we're going to do. And so we want to, we don't want to make it our agenda to fix other people. Um, we just want to lead people into a godly transformation. We want to point people to the Word of God. We want to lead them into a healthy view of God and themselves. Amen. Um, And so I am going to stop here. I have uh, a lot more, but we'll, we'll continue this um, in the next couple of weeks and, uh, and finish this subject because I believe, um, and we can tell you from experience, we learned this probably about seven, eight years ago, and it has, it has put our heart at ease so much. You know, when, when you, when you pastor, you could have the wrong idea. Or when you're a leader, you have the wrong idea that it's your job to fix people. And it's a really heavy, impossible burden. You know, our job is to point people to God. Our job is to feed people. Our job is to do that. But we can't do that. We will be a Pharisee, a religious person, if we are not looking at here. And so I, I want to pray this Um you know, if you just if you just close your eyes there for a moment, you know, and, and I just want to give you this opportunity for a moment because um, if I, if I keep going, then we're going to be late, and I really want to pray this over you. And um, and I, I'm going to pray something, and and you can also pray this yourself, and and you can just repeat this after me. But uh, this is an invitation. If you if you realize today, oof, I've judged people really hard. You know, I am the one that gets easily offended. I am the one that gets quickly irritated. I am touchy. <laughs> you don't have to tell anybody, but if that, you know if that's you, you know, and you get easily offended. If you have pain from the past that has caused you to, you know, project pain onto the future and onto people and situations, like, you, you know that. And so so if, if that's you today, you're like, man, my eyes were open, and I see, like, I caused myself to suffer because I keep wondering why my ex-husband or my ex-wife did this to me, and I haven't let that go, and they just keep eating me up. It's because you continue asking the question, why? So today, I want to invite you to surrender the question, why?